0: Coming up on this week's episode, I share my favorite news from Google I.O. 2020, I review the Star Wars, the Clone Wars episodes related to Obi-Wan Kenobi and Duchess Satine, and I start my rewatch of Stargate Atlantis from, of course, Season 1. A-B-N. It's headphones still! guys welcome back to another episode of Headphones neil reviews i'm your host as always Headphones neil bringing a very exciting week of news as far as stuff i've been watching and keeping track of and all of that good stuff so to start it off with the android news um this week we had google io 2022 so i thought i would share some of the headline news top stuff that came out of the conference, um, just as far as what like stuff that's coming out, stuff that I was announced, and all of that stuff. So to start it off, as far as the kind of like a, basically a teaser announcement was that the Pixel 7 and 7 Pro are coming later in 2022. So nothing too out of the ordinary there. So most likely, I'm guessing around Q4, maybe at the earliest, like somewhere around September or so. So if you're thinking about getting a new phone or you want the latest and greatest and you're not quite sure what to get, then that sounds like the way to go. Um, in related news, it seems like based on rumors that we might also get a OnePlus 10 Ultra, essentially a more larger capacity OnePlus with slightly newer hardware than the OnePlus 10 Pro, especially since the 10 Pro Pro. Um, in the global version versus the Chinese version, only has 128 gigs of storage and 8 gigabytes of RAM, which is lower than uh, most other, or not necessarily lower spec than pre- prior years, but being the only model, it kind of makes it hard if you do need more storage um, or use a lot more storage and things like that. Then that model is kind of on the low end. So we'll see if that comes to fruition in the coming weeks. Um, especially since we may also be getting an announcement for the Nothing Phone potentially in the next couple of months, so a lot of exciting news coming soon. Um, Google also announced that the Pixel 6a will be going on sale soon, starting at $449. It's essentially a more baseline model, but spec-wise pretty similarly spec'd out compared to the 6 and 6 Pro um it has a 6.1 inch screen ip67 rating a tensor processor and then 6 gigs of ram and 128 gigs of storage so essentially a phone that's similar to the 6 and 6 pro as far as capabilities but more on the mid-range price and specifications so if you're not looking to spend $1000 or more on a high-end phone or you don't really necessarily need that much storage on your, or on-device storage, then the 6A, or yeah, the Pixel 6A is a way to go. Um, There's also a $499 model, which was I think for Verizon or something like that, but um, essentially um, you're spending half the cost for a pretty powerful enough phone as far as what Everyday use would be so things like taking pictures, browsing the web, listening to music and podcasts, browsing videos, and things like that. So, you have a very capable phone that is that should be supported for some time. And then finally, Google announced the Pixel Bud Pro or Pixel Buds Pro. Um, as far as the look of them, I couldn't really tell anything special about them, but as far as on the technical side it does come with active noise cancellation six core audio chip volume a volume equalizer and bluetooth 5. um the volume equalizer is actually the thing that stood out to me because from at least reading the summary of it it it's the headphones are supposedly able to make all audio that it's outputting output at the same level so it's basically like a volume levelizer um if you're not quite sure kind of what that functionality is If you use the Podcast Client Pocket Cast, it does have a volume normalizer or levelizer, so essentially it boosts the audio of low audio and it kind of makes them all within a similar um, volume range so if you have one audio one podcast that's at a certain level another one that's super high and another one that's super low then they all kind of sound or output and play at around the same volume so you don't have to adjust the volume based on the um individual podcast you're really only adjusting based on the volume based on your conditions so that's kind of that kind of sounds like what the Pixel, Bud Pro, Pixel Buzz Pro aim to do. So um, I actually didn't note the price on that, but overall, oh, um, the general idea that I got from the IO is that Google is spending more time on updates regarding uh, machine learning, AI, and algorithm-based learning. So a lot of kind of behind the scenes stuff so you don't have to think about it. And that's a, a very much an extension of what they're doing with the Google camera and their video, or sorry, their photo editing and photo taking. So you have a very, you can have, basically trying to take a very normal hardware and um, boost what it can do with um, software processing. And then um, if the rumors are to be believed we're we're potentially gonna get um, newer hardware in the Pixel 7 and 7 Pro, so their software should Take that even further with newer, better hardware. So, with that being said, we'll jump right into this week's Star Wars stuff. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So, to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. I bet you get 30, 30, I bet you get 30, I bet you get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, bet you get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. Sold! Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care. So in my continuing excitement for the upcoming Kenobi show I got to thinking what I could review for this week that's related to Kenobi in the Star Wars universe and um, kind of what I should um, think about to get myself in the mind state for the show. Um, So this review is kind of a mix of that frame of mind and then reading the initial comic release about how he's Going back in time to old friends and then reaching the um, and then playing through, you know, Duxon and Andron in Knights of the Old Republic 2, I got to thinking that I would re watch the trilogy of episodes related to the Mandalorians and um, the episodes where we learned that Obi Wan had actually been in love with the Duchess Satine. They could have potentially had the chance for a relationship, but they ultimately decided to. Uh, forgo their personal relationship and pursue their professional career so, so one of those things that Anakin could not get over and ultimately caused his downfall so um the episodes in question are from season I actually didn't write it down, but season two, I believe it was. So it's the Mandalore plot, Voyage of Temptation, and Duchess of Mandalore. So essentially, we have the Mandalorians um, in trying to be a neutral system because they want to. They're aiming to have a more peaceful society, less centered around their need for and desire for conquest, um, their desire to dominate and rule, and all of that. But we have a small sect. Segment of the population called Death Watch that wants to turn it around and go back to the old Mandalorian way of life. Um, so we have Obi-Wan coming in to help out because of uh, um, just because of the ongoing conflict and all of that stuff. And they're consistently at odds, they're going back and forth, they're reminiscing about the old days. And we learned in Voyage of Temptation that. Um, Obi-Wan and Satine had first met years ago when um, Obi-Wan was still Qui-Gon's apprentice. They had spent a year on the planet to help Satine um, start the government, create the system that we see in these episodes. Um, Anakin, of course, um, gives Obi-Wan a hard time about the relationship, about Satine being Obi-Wan's girlfriend. Which I thought was kind of interesting It's kind of like the pot calling the kettle Black where Anakin's In the secret relationship with Padme And he's both giving Obi-Wan a hard time Part of it I figure is to throw him off the scent But I think in one of the Novelizations we Or even in the Revenge of the Sith novelization We had learned that Obi-Wan knew about The relationship the whole time But because Padme made him happy um, Obi-Wan never brought it up But I thought these episodes uh, portrayed an interesting light on Obi-Wan as far as him quite pointedly understanding the situation that Anakin was in with his love of Padmé and Obi-Wan being able to turn oh, or step away from that relationship and understand his calling to the Jedi order and that it's not the whole thing about him saying that it's a promise that's not easily broken so obi-wan actually was saying that from his own point of view that he was in love with the um, duchess satine he did want to have that relationship he had feelings for her and um he turned away from that to stay in the jedi order so all in all this was a very good portrayal, in my opinion, of um, the situation of basically that co- basically a good compare and contrast between Obi Wan and Anakin, but basically from Obi Wan's point of view, that um, he did have this relationship, he did want to fall in love, have his life outside of the Order, but being a Jedi was a higher calling, and that's where he wanted his life to be, and. While Obi-Wan is not necessarily the chosen one, um, he did have that understanding that um, this is something he needs, that being a Jedi is something he needs to do, whether or not he wanted it. I mean, he probably wanted to be in that relationship, but he chose the life of the Jedi. So, all in all, a good trilogy of episodes, and definitely... um, Ones you should watch if you want to get into a good state for Kenobi to see how that affects what we see in the Kenobi show. So that's all there is for that. So we'll jump into this week's TV season review. Alright, so to round out this week's episode, I wanted to do something a little bit different as far as what I've... Or a show that I've been meaning to rewatch just because I don't remember actually seeing the whole five series arc of this TV show spinoff and the show itself is Stargate Atlantis so now that I finished season one I kind of remember all of that all the stuff that happened in season one but I'm so I'm not sure if that's all I saw and then I uh, you know spot saw or spot checked and spot watched all the other episodes in the remaining seasons but I kind because I also kind of vaguely remember Atlantis flying, but then I don't know if that's just from the season premiere of the Atlantic Atlantis being moved from supposedly Earth out to where, where wherever it was in the Pegasus galaxy. So, um, essentially, I wanted to give it a full rewatch, see how it holds up after all this time. Is it a worthy spinoff and all of that? So now that I've seen season one. It is definitely in the realm of uh, being a spin off, meaning that if you haven't seen any of Stargate SG 1, you don't know about any of the progression as far as ultimately doing a search for the lost city of Atlantis related to the Ori city arc or story arc, um, learning about the, or, and basically all the stuff that happened as far as finding the um, sub. Ice um, base to hold off the gold that they found in all of that. So if you don't know about any of that, then a lot of this is not really going to make much sense. Aside from in the season premiere, you have an expedition that's being led to um, the lost city of Atlantis. So I guess you could really take it as a show that's where the a kind of an alternate reality where. Um, where Earth has found this um, teleportation device, and um, they're using it to find, or they somehow found the lost city of Atlantis, so even if you don't know a lot about Stargate and Stargate SG-1, you do still need to know about the Stargate itself just because you need some of that premonition that why are they looking for this lost city city of Atlantis all of a sudden? Um, I suppose it could be one of those things where they put a, you know, if they were to make it a made for TV movie or something and say at the start, you know, during the events of Stargate, they found this, um, teleportation device between planets, um, upon further research, um, of, or I guess also assuming this is after the events of finding the Abydos cartouche and all of the, um various Stargate addresses where they take it in a different direction that all of those addresses were for the network of Stargates but they ultimately lead to finding the lost city of Atlantis to find answers um And then they start off the show, they realize that they've made it 10,000 years after the Atlanteans were ascended to their higher realm of existence and all of that. But you do need that little bit of um, pre-information in order to watch the show. So going into the first season, you definitely do need... Um, To have seen enough of Stargate SG-1 to understand what's going on. And probably at least the first season and then some of the later episodes related to the um, base that's in Antarctica. um, A lot about the gold. um, A little bit about the the, um, SGCs learning that the Atlanteans had built the gates. And to avoid a little bit uh, more of a leap of logic, um, a little bit more about the... Um, um interactions with various races and things like that so all in all it's, it's a very connected show so um by the end of the season though it does still seem to follow the sg1 um guidebook for episodes and season finales and stuff because they end the season finale with or they end the season one with the wraith attacking the city and then atlantis is able to save the day at the start of season two which is generally how um sg1 went where they would end the season on a high climax and then resolve said climax at the start of season the next season so and it's kind of a mimic of even set, um season one when the gould or, uh, the gould apophis is attacking earth um, Where we have them appearing, and then the se- the first season of the next s- season, first episode of the next season, um, they have it resolved to have the uh, warriors of Earth essentially, basically the SGC, um, save the day with teal and Master tech if memory serves. So overall, season one of Atlantis was decent. Um, probably similar to the the first season of SG-1. Um, There were a few episodes in there that were not particularly great and are kind of considered skippable just because they don't necessarily deal with um, anything. It's not really related to the overall plot, but it does establish SG-1 being out in this new universe a little bit over their heads kind of like Atlantis. So taking it from that point of view, um, it's one of those things where I do. I am going to try and make sure I watch through the rest of the show um, just because I want to see how it goes, fill in the blanks in my head about what happened during the show, uh, find out how they deal with the Wraith threat. Um, I want to say I kind of know the answer, but maybe I had ultimately um, just read about what had happened and how they solved the problem. So. I'm going to take it from here on a more fresh eyes basis just because in the first season as I'm watching stuff I'm partially realizing that I had seen a lot of this stuff so that's why I probably watched it just because I was like oh Stargate Atlantis is more Stargate and I'll definitely be interested in it but I probably fell off after that for whatever reason or I focused more on um, Stargate SG-1 because I was enjoying that show a lot more and it's its own standalone episode that's not or standalone um show that's not relying on anything else so that's all there is for this particular episode and review so like i said i will be um Uh, watching the show continuing through the seasons I'll do an episode by episode review um as they are completed and then I'll kind of give a progress update like I have where I share if I how much of the season I remember if I do or don't remember a lot of what happened um and things like that so I'm not quite sure when um aquaman uh, J- jason momoa shows up in the show but i guess he's all over the posters so he shows up at some point um i don't remember much of that either for that matter so i, I want to say it's probably time and not having watched the show multiple times which is why i don't remember it how he got introduced to the show and his general uh, role in the show but i know he shows up some point so we'll see how that goes um i do remember something about um i guess the, they created a string of stargates between Earth and Pegasus for some reason, um, so they could make the trip faster, like in a couple of days instead of a couple of weeks. So I don't know how that's going to play into any of it and all of that. So, but that's all side stuff. I I really want to know how they deal with the wraith threat. Uh, more of the origin story of um, besides the wraith potentially being a descendant of the uh, um, ancients and a random. Um, planet where they interacted or interbred with like chameleons or any sort of insect or something with regener- regenerative properties so we see, we'll see, we see how all of that goes but I do want to rewatch it so I can say that I've watched all the episodes and I know what's going on there um, I won't necessarily just to say as a precursor now I'm probably not going to do a rewatch of Stargate Universe just because it Ended after two seasons. I did watch those in their entirety. Um, To give a quick bonus review there. um, Overall I thought the first season was. Or from my memory of it. The first season was okay. But it did progress into being really good in the second season. And it did show a lot of promise. But I guess that was too little too late. Because they cancelled it right after that. Um, The head scientist was a kind of more calm egotistical version of McKay from Atlantis um the leader of the expedition or maybe the expedition leader's daughter or somebody feels like another ver- variation of Dr. Weir from Atlantis so maybe that's even why they canceled it was lack of viewership and ratings um kind of being a, like a derivative of a derivative so rather than just exploring, or I guess, or maybe it was because it felt like a derivative that you already have SG-1 exploring the stars in the Stargate, and then Atlantis doing that universe, potentially was another just iteration of that, and they kind of wanted to expand the universe, but didn't have much to show for it. So in general, I thought, like I said, season one of the universe was good, season two was a lot better, and actually gave me a promise for more, but for whatever reason it was cancelled so I'm not going to do too much else there but overall I'm de- or now that I'm done with season one of Stargate Atlantis I'm moving into season two to see where they take things um how they handle um for, uh, I want to say Lieutenant Ford I guess and uh if he comes back to the show or anything like that or what happens there so that's all there is for this episode thanks for being a supporter and subscriber to the show if you're looking for a particular movie review for one that was released recently as a bonus or as a patron to the show patreon.com slash patel n01 i'll be providing a quick update on that so look out for that update at the end of this um, episode but if you're not a patron definitely support or subscribe and support the show there patreon.com slash patel n01 and you can get um access to those bonus and um, upcoming content um add-ons to the episodes when they're available in addition to getting um ad free episodes of the show but that's all there is for this week's episode thanks for tuning in and until next time